Everybody, welcome to If I Only Knew. Today, we are spelunking. We're going for a deep dive into something I cannot get my head around. It's a briefer episode today because I'm, I'm not going to lie. I don't think I have the bandwidth to do more than 10 minutes on this topic. Okay. This is where the generation gap looks like a chasm to me. It's the abyss, people, and I tried to stare into it, but it stared back, and I was shocked and amazed. On Matt Say So, I downloaded an app called Coinbase to explore crypto, and I'm going to start with the following, Matt. G'day, how are you? Doing well, thanks, Fred. I'm excited. You're looking good, but what I want to understand, Matt, is what is crypto? And don't say Superman's dog because it's spelled differently. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, this is a hell of a topic, Fred. And you're right to say we need to keep this brief because it could just go on for hours and hours. You know, people do talk for hours and hours about this. The other disclaimer before I launch into a bit of an explainer for you is that I'm not an expert on this topic. I have a working knowledge because I'm interested in tech and that sort of stuff. Um, and I'll be sharing that working knowledge. I will include some other resources of people who I think are more expert in the pod um, description. I'm particularly partial to YouTube videos as great explainers of this sort of stuff, so we'll see what we can do with that. But basically, we're talking cryptocurrency today. How does it work? What is it? Why is it worth so much money? And what's it based on? It's a made-up concept. Yeah, yeah. To that point, Fred, and this might be a point we circle back to, money is a made-up concept. So there's, there's something we come back to there, maybe. What is the concept of currency? is a hell of a uh, discussion. So you can see why it's going to be short today because my head's already going to explode. (laughs) I've got cash in my pocket, mate. It's not a concept that falls. (laughs) It exists, yeah. So I think we're going to start, I reckon, with just the really straightforward cryptocurrency. We use Bitcoin as the example because I understand it's working the most, it's talked about the most. We're going to talk a little bit about how it fluctuates so much and why people care about it, whatever. There's also things like, Ethereum. Yeah, and Doge. Doge. Dogecoin. We might bring that up. I enjoy the memes. We'll see where we go with that. Uh, well, Dogecoin's got legs now, but apparently it started as a piss take. It is. It's a, it is totally piss take. Doge, Doge is a meme. D-O-G-E is like literally a meme. It's a dog. It's a picture of a dog. And and the internet just decided, hey, we're going to do this. I'm, I'm convinced uh, Dogecoin's like one of the biggest scams as far as crypto goes. But maybe it'll be proven wrong by the course of history. You know, we'll have to see. If we want to get to the basis of what is crypto, let's start there before we talk about anything else. Cryptocurrency is like an online currency. It's entirely on the internet. So there's no physical output of it. The way Bitcoin works in particular is, I believe, it uses a thing called blockchain technology, quote-unquote, buzzwords thrown around, that ensures that each Bitcoin is unique. Like you have a unique blockchain code for yourself but so that you have that bitcoin which is their attempt to distinguish it from any other line of code on the internet right i ask a question at this point is blockchain a software name i don't actually know i believe that it's a name for a type of software that creates unique distinct uncopyable types of that makes sense to me so each bitcoin is unique. Yes. It's like yes. the serial number on a, on a $5. Exactly, note. exactly, right? I believe that's how that works. The way that you... And Bitcoin was established like 30 years ago or so, like it's old now, but it's finally coming to relevance for a few reasons. 
the way that Bitcoin is generated, right? There's not like X number of Bitcoins out there. The way Bitcoin works is that you can do what's called like mining Bitcoin. So you can dedicate computer processing power to an activity on the internet that's job it is is to mine a Bitcoin. And you dedicate that computing power to solving a very complicated algorithm. And when the algorithm is solved, it produces you a Bitcoin, I believe, in very simplistic terms. Now, this algorithm is programmed to get exponentially more difficult the more Bitcoins there are out there. So I've heard fantastic stories of people who've been on the internet for a long time who just, you know, you'd set their, their computer to mining Bitcoin for, for an evening 25 years ago and you'd wake up with 10 Bitcoin because like it was just a super easy algorithm to mine back then. But nowadays, everyone's mining Bitcoin. You need just the most up-to-date processes and 100 hours to get a Bitcoin or whatever. So that's the process by which scarcity is manufactured in the Bitcoin realm. Does that make some sense? Just to that, yes, yes. Yeah. So basically, Bitcoin is produced as a bit of a prize for smart people with big computers now that can mine Bitcoin. Yeah. And by mine, they mean use the computer to solve a puzzle that gives you a Bitcoin. And I'm being very simple here. Yeah. I know that there was a setup not long ago with so many computers mining Bitcoin that the home was raided because they yep. thought it was a drug lab because yep. yep. of the power it was drawing and the heat signature. They thought it was where they grow yep. hydroponic uh, marijuana, but it was it was just computers mining Bitcoin. Yep. So as a gamer, I have a real investment in this, Fred, because they take a lot of the latest gaming tech and buy it and put, yep. it, put it in these Bitcoin mining batteries and use it to mine Bitcoins. It means that like this has actively caused a shortage in some gaming hardware. If you want so to, so you like, can't like, get your nice graphics yeah, card because yeah. it's mining Bitcoin. Yeah, 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 because they need those processes. So that's like a genuine problem. And we're not going to get so off on So can I ask yet. a question? Have we ever had a large-scale conflict between gamers and Bitcoin, Bitcoin miners? <laughs> and was it virtual or was it like a street fight? Like, I love this idea. Can we get this happening? I, I think I'm onto something here. And then the winner gets some Bitcoin yeah, from yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Maybe Elon Musk. <laughs> this is this is the, the new comic book pitch that you've got, is it, Fred? Um, I, I could make me a fortune. <laughs> that, copyright pending Matt and Fred. But anyway, keep going. Yeah, the, the other the other crazy fact about like Bitcoin mining is that I'm pretty sure that crypto mining, I heard this a month or two ago, has now reached the um, global CO2 emissions of Argentina. We're not going to spend too much more time thinking about that, but that's a lot of emissions to do. So Bitcoin all these mining. people with their computers are creating such an impact on the environment, pursuing this theoretical currency yeah. that they produce as much of an environmental impact as the whole nation of Argentina, yeah. which is one of the largest populated nations yeah. in the world. Yeah. So that's that's what I heard. Now I'm pretty sure it's verified, but you know everything's with a grain of salt these hey, days. Look. You know, if it's on the internet, yeah. of course it's true. Yeah. So, so this is big. This is big business. This is huge, right? And it's applying computer processing to extract a Bitcoin out of uh, the, the internet. And this serves to create scarcity. And you're, you're a smart guy, Fred. Obviously, scarcity is the thing that provides something with value. Right. Yeah. Um, if, pe if it's scarce and people want it, it has value. And this is what makes these things so clever, is that there is a limited amount of Bitcoin, so you can trade Bitcoin to other interested parties for services, as you do with money. There is a limited amount of money, and you can trade money to other parties for services. So that's the way in which it functions like a currency. Um, 
the the key distinction that obviously you've drawn on and is very clear is that there's no institution or government that supports this currency. So in the past, money was given value by the, the gold standard, the, but so given we, value by yeah. the weight of its the weight of its gold. Then we went away from the weight of gold and just said, well, you know, our country's storing X tons of gold, and therefore our currency is worth that much money. Then we went away from that and said, well, our currency is based on the US dollar value and whatever whatever i'm not an expert on monetary history but at this point governments support their own currency and if you have faith in the australian government yeah. you have faith in the australian well currency. it's underwritten by government i guess i have a question at that point matt you might not be able to answer but if the american economy is driven by the american government that prints money based on the gold reserve who owns the algorithm that creates Bitcoin? Yep. Yep. Is it so, a company? So I believe that nobody owns it. I believe it's open source. And I believe that it, this is what is one of the big appeals of Bitcoin, actually. So a lot of people take this as like a real problem, right? There's no one backing out my money. What the fuck? <laughs> I'm going to lose it mm. right? And that's, that's traditional, right? But if you're a skeptic of institutions, if you are skeptical of the Federal Reserve and different... Um, government institutions, then it's actually really appealing to some people to have their currency not attached to any of these institutions because it's safe from what you perceive as rampant inflation from the Federal Reserve deciding to overprint money or it's safe from the decision to go to war that horribly impacts your currency or whatever. Yeah, and so I think that this is one of the real pitches and it's, it's one of the few reasons that I'd be tempted to at least look further into cryptocurrency as a concept is that it's a decentralized currency is the term they often use and this gives well it's interesting yeah. yeah it's interesting for me because the decentralized currency makes it really appealing to the criminal element yes because it can't yeah. be traced yeah. but more and more there are certain things and we've spoken in another podcast about non-fungible tokens mm. which are works of art that are purely digital uh, and I've looked into it because I'm a bit fascinated by this and I'm a bit fascinated by pop culture and art. As you know, Matt, I'm a big comic book collector. So lots of comic book artists are releasing their digital art on websites like foundation.app and you've got to buy them. You own that piece of art. Yeah. There's no physical representation of it, but you own it. But in order to buy it, I had to get on Coinbase and buy Ethereum. Yeah. So about 300 Australian dollars got me 0. 0.00 something. Yeah. These artworks are going for anywhere between $5 and $5,000 as far as I could tell. You never own anything and you can only pay in Ethereum. So I looked up Ethereum and it's worth more. It's just kicked over $4,000 a coin, I think they use, or a token, which is more than IBM shares. Yep, 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 yep. Okay. More than Apple shares. You know, it's a great investment if you got in early, but it's not a thing. Yeah. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm often quite baffled by it as well, Fred. I think it reflects the way the economy and psychology interacts in a lot of ways. Something is scarce, and other people want it. Therefore, I also want it. Um, and I do think that, like, I'm a relative skeptic most of the time in my life, and I do think that there's some reason to be kind of skeptical about the tangible basis of our material currency that we're more familiar with. Just how valuable is that $10 note by itself in isolation is an interesting question to ask, I think. Um, so uh, that's why I think there's some value behind this stuff, Fred, in some capacity. But in saying that, there's so much potential for exploitation here because it is 
an untested area of the economy, and Dogecoin for me is the perfect example of that. It exists for a meme, and I think the idea is that some people are just pumping up the price so they can sell all their Dogecoin and make a profit, as far as I understand it. But, but mate, that's the same as shares in, in shitty companies. It's the same as commodity trading in sugar, you know? The value of sugar is a really interesting economic discussion. I, I do know this. I know nothing about this, and your explanation of it today has been really solid, except when you said you don't believe in the value of money because that's giving me a real headache. Like, I have a nosebleed now, people. <laughs> I, I do, the, I'll tell you the coolest story I heard about the value of currency before I finish my point. I, I think it was around the time of the Vietnam War that cocaine was so prolific, but because it's a natural resource, it's got a process to it and it can be regulated, that there was talks about whether or not an economy could shift away from a gold standard to a cocaine standard which I find fascinating because if you then legalised cocaine, it was the cocaine standard. Um, mate, listen, plenty of people in finance have got a big affinity with cocaine as we speak. I just think it would have been a hand-in-glove moment. Uh, no, I don't know if that's true. It was in I learnt it in high school history yeah. in my uh, year 11 history class. I suspect oh, yeah. there might be some relevance to it. What I would say, though, is we can talk about things like Dogecoin being a meme, but I can say that there are stories out today because at the time that we started this podcast, Dogecoin was trading at less than a cent and went up to at its peak six cents, largely thanks to Elon Musk calling himself the Doge father. And as at today, there is a transaction on a block of land going on, and I believe it's in the UK, where you can only pay in Dogecoin. (laughs) Yeah, right. There's a, some poor tacker out there that has a Coinbase account, and he, I think it's Coinbase or something like that, where you only get three attempts at the password. He's got $160 million of Bitcoin sitting there, and he can't remember his password. Sucked in knucklehead. It's really conceptual for him now, because if he doesn't remember that password, he loses the lot. But I do think it's this idea of... I know nothing, but I find it fascinating in the way that conceptually we can disrupt really traditional norms. Matt, you've done a brilliant job today in helping a tired old man. All I know is I spent $300. I don't know if it's real. (laughs) You told me to do it. I've done it. Since then, though, Matt, I will say it's gone up in value. So you made me money. Oh, very nice. (laughs) I don't know how much because it's such a fraction of a percent that it's probably... But still, you know, if I listen to the young people, this podcast is all about this. <laughs> I get ahead in the world. Here's a tangible financial example Perfect. of why I listen to Matt people, why I hang off his every word, as I know our listeners do. So thank you, mate. That's a, a quick ab sale face yeah. first into yeah. crypto. Yeah. And all I've learned now is the IT department will be directing every computer in this business after hours to be mining <laughs> by the Bitcoin. Maybe Everybody so gets a pick. They get a hard hat. Go and get Papa Fred some Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, look, I hope my explanation is accurate enough. As I say, I'm no expert, but that's how I've always understood it. Yeah. I hope you guys learned something as well. It was a very interesting one. Keep listening. We'll be back next week. Not all of our topics are going to be light and fluffy, guys, but this crypto thing is probably, I reckon, 
gets asked more about than anything else I've ever heard of in this day and age. So I'm really fascinated. We'll keep going to the places that the listeners don't want us to go because this is about learning. And we're getting great feedback on the pod, Matt. And uh, keep the feedback coming through. Like, subscribe, tell your friends. We try to keep it light, but we try to make it something that's going to be useful and beneficial. So thank you all for your support today. And thank you, my young friend. Again, another excellent podcast. All thanks to you. Yeah, love it. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate it. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you next week. Matt, in uncertain times, it's really important in business we look after the asset that is most important to us, and that's our people. I often talk to other CEOs and senior managers and directors in business that worry about how to look after their people well. Now, there's lots of ways to waste your money in a corporate environment, things that will make people think that you care but actually deliver very little return on investment. We'd encourage all our listeners to pick up the phone and talk to the staff at The Wellbeing Code. The Wellbeing Code is at the cutting edge of what we call high-performance mental health. Rather than clinicians droning on about all that same stuff that we all know about mental health hygiene and how to reduce stigma, what we've done with the Wellbeing Code is taken elite athletes that have represented their country, been coached by the best or coached the best, and get them to take their learning and put it into the boardroom. It becomes an attainable, unassailable advantage for business to have high performers from other environments talk about the mindset that helped them achieve and the mindset that helped them deal with their difficulties and take accountability when others weren't aware there was an issue. So if you're interested in the services of the Wellbeing Code, whether that be keynote speeches, direct uh, physical or psychological programs for your staff, or senior executive mentoring, pick up the phone to 1300 817 791. That's 1300 817 791. Listeners to this podcast that cite the code Matt and Fred will get 10% off their first engagement through the consulting team at The Wellbeing Code. Isn't that awesome? So first and last time you hear me say discount code, people. But trust me when I tell you, whether you're paying full freight or more, the value and return on investment is unquestionable. So reach out to Dave and the team at The Wellbeing Code and get your journey started today. Thank you for listening. This podcast is a Better Pod Group production with special thanks to our researcher, Nicola Binks, executive producer, Matt Blanche, the providers of our theme song with credits that are in our bio, and of course, you, the listener. It's important to remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Whilst there are therapeutic themes discussed, in no way is this podcast considered treatment. And in the event you're in a psychological emergency, please reach out in whatever way you can through 000 or Lifeline 13 11 14. It's important to remember that the discussion is for entertainment purposes and the opinions voiced by podcast hosts are theirs and theirs alone. Any reference to copyright or copywritten material is, of course, the copyright of the copyright owner and or relevant corporate entities. Thank you for listening to Bed Pod Group Productions and tune in to some of our other excellent pod productions on this network.